Let's just go ahead and have a seat. He already walked off the stage, but I wanted to say thank you to Nathan for leading us in worship the past six weeks. He can hear us in the back. Um, Pastor Brittany has uh, been on a sabbatical for, for the past uh, six weeks, and she will be back next week leading us in worship. So very excited for that, but also very grateful for uh, Nathan leading us over that time. Um, a little update on the Madrano household uh, is that Larissa is still testing positive for COVID. Um, it, she's on about day eight or nine now of testing positive for COVID. As long as I have known Larissa, uh, when she does something, she's always extremely committed to what she's doing. <laughs> she, she's, I, I met her in Bible college, and in Bible college, she was, she was a straight-A student. She was like top in the class and an overachiever in so many ways. So she's, she's not going to do anything lightly. Um, if she's going to do it, she's going to have COVID. She's going to go the full like 10 days of testing positive. Likely has to happen. But she's doing good. Uh, last week um, on Sunday and Monday, her symptoms were the strongest. But since then, it really has been, been a light case. And then our six-year-old Tiago um, was exposed to COVID in his classroom at the beginning of last week. And so on Friday... Uh, he tested positive, and so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, just like as, as so many households have experienced, is just, it's the waiting game, and the way that, that one of the, just one of the drags of this, um, of this virus that's going around is that how prolonged it stays. It just does not want to go away. Um, so that's what we're experiencing, and um, I've, I've been grateful for the NBA Finals, um, been grateful to, to start uh, that Formula One racing documentary on Netflix and just kind of occupying my time with, with food and uh, entertainment that Larissa normally would not watch or eat. So, <laughs> so that's, that's what, what's been happening in our household. Well, we're going to continue our series um, entitled Jesus for Everyone. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 13. Probably, you probably uh, discerned by now that we're going to be talking about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast um, that's there. But before we get into that, just kind of by way of reintroducing us to the series that we've been into, um, there's Jesus for Everyone, and it's a study in the book of Luke and Acts. And in the study, what, we're, what we've identified is that there are quite a few cases, um, as Luke writes, where he pairs women and men together. Um, you'll see the the graph that, that I created um, at the start of the series there on there, I think there's, again, I need to go back and count and th somewhere between 34 and 38 examples uh, where, where there's just general stories of Jesus interacting with a man and then Jesus interacting with a woman or happening in that same time together. Um, the, the people that are constantly being highlighted by Luke. And even the parables and the teachings of Jesus, the way that Luke highlights them is that he'll often tell a story Right? He'll say, he'll give a teaching, and, and the main character of that teaching will be a man, and then in another story, the main, right after that, the main uh, character will be a, in, a woman. And so in this morning's parables, what you'll, what you'll see is that he tells, Jesus tells a parable of a man that plants a seed, and then right after that, he tells a parable, an extremely similar parable about a woman that hides yeast in a whole bunch of flour. 
And as I was thinking about that, you know, I think that one of the things that, that Luke is, is really encouraging us to understand is that Jesus is interacting with everyone. Jesus is interacting with everyone. So as he's navigating the regions of Galilee and as he's on the road to Jerusalem, as he's walking around as an itinerary preacher and teacher, he's interacting with men and women. He's interacting with young and old. He's interacting with Jew and Gentile. That, that, that when Jesus is navigating this earth, he sees everyone. And then we go beyond that and stop and to realize that when, even when Jesus is teaching, who's on his mind? Who, who, who fills Jesus's imagination? Everyone. Everyone. So when Jesus is going to tell stories, when Jesus is going to tell parables, all people are on his mind. Let me tell you a story. And as he tells a story, what's going to just immediately be on the forefront of his mind, let me tell you a story about a man, and let me tell you a story about a woman. Because he's thinking about us all. When, when, when Jesus is thinking, right, you think, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand on the shore. That when Jesus thinks, it's you. I think that's just the beauty of one of the subtle things that we catch when we realize that Luke is making sure to highlight Jesus is for everyone. You are on Jesus' mind this morning. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 13. I'm reading at, from the English Standard Version, the ESV. Starting at verse 18, I'll be going through verse 21. He, speaking of Jesus, said, therefore... What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nest in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, until it was all leavened. Let's start with that first story. Um, Jesus is talking about a seed and a plant. What I have on stage here is one of Larissa's beloved possessions that she um, very graciously let me carry over here uh, to, to the stage, and I was very, very, very careful with it, love. I know you're watching online. Um, Larissa loves plants. She loved, we will never run short of oxygen in our home. There, there, there are houseplants everywhere in our home. But, but Jesus tells this story to highlight, listen, like that's four seeds that, that are on my finger um, there. He tells this story about a man took a mustard seed and he planted it. And, it be, and, and this is what the kingdom of God is like. And it became massive tree. I, like the, the, the portions are wild. Like this, this tiny little tree, this tiny little seed. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's this tiny 
tiny thing, unnoticed, hidden. Like you, you walking by, there's no way that you would spot it. Like, yeah, like that's, the kingdom of God is like that. And it gets planted into the ground, and it becomes something mind-blowing when, when you consider what it was to what it now is. And then the other example that he gives is of a woman that takes three measures of flour. Now, anyone have the NIV out there? Did you see if anyone was reading from that? What you'll notice, um, if you're reading from the NIV, you'll actually get a quantity, and I think it says 60 pounds of flour. So three measures of flour isn't just three scoops of flour. This right here is 25 pounds of flour. So right here in front of me is, is, is 50 pounds of flour. Like, y'all, what, what is this woman doing? <laughs> right, this isn't grandma baking a loaf of bread for dinner. Right, this is a woman within her home. Can you imagine the bowl that she's interacting here with? This is a woman that's like making bread for the entire village. Right, the, the quantities, again, are massive. They're absurd what Jesus is bringing forward to us. And, and he says that, that he takes some leaven or some, some yeast and he hides, and she, excuse me, she hides it in, in this just massive, vast hill of flour. This is, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And if you'll notice the way that, that Jesus explains it is that he uses, I think, two words that are absolutely crucial for us to understand. Is that first that he talks about that the man takes a seed and, and he sows it into, into his garden. And then he talks about this woman who has this, again, this massive, this vast hill of, of flour, and he uses the word, some of your translations may say, that mit, but it's, it's much more likely that, like in the ESV here, that, that it was hidden. But Jesus makes sure to highlight that with the kingdom of God, it isn't just that it starts off really small, is that he, he uses words to tell us that it's getting buried, that it's unseen, that it's not noticed. He's using words here to let us know that, like, like, it's this. Do you see it? This is what the kingdom of God is like. Do you see it? Do you see the yeast? This, 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 is, this is what it's like when the nearness of God's kingdom arrives here on earth. This is what it's like when the kingdom of God invades the darkness. You want, you want to talk about the characteristics and nature of the kingdom of God. Right, we, we think about it that, 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 if, that if you interact with someone that's not from San Diego, that they might ask, like, what is San Diego like? 
and you would begin to describe to them what is the environment of San Diego like? What is the culture of San Diego like? What are the people of San Diego like? And there'd be all kinds of different words that would come to your mind, laid back, pet lovers, it would be people that love to be outdoors, people that are pretty chill. Like you just have this description about, about what San Diego is like. And then there'd be other, like, like what's the political and, and social sphere of San Diego like? And just be like, well, it depends what neighborhood that you're in, right? And it just kind of, it's, it's a hodgepodge, and you'd be able to describe, this is what the living culture of San Diego is like. And so Jesus gets in front of a whole bunch of people and he makes sure to tell them, listen, you who have submitted to the arrival of God's kingdom here on earth, what is absolutely crucial for you to understand? Do you see it? Do you see it? Or is it hidden? It starts off buried. It starts off small. It starts off unnoticed. It starts off insignificant. Like for those of you that are going to be followers of Jesus, for those of you that are going to be citizens of this living culture, what do you need to understand? The kingdom of God is like this this tiny portion hidden, buried in this vast hill. That's what it's like. Friends, God is at work in the hidden, buried, and insignificant places. Don't despise small beginnings. Because that's the seedbed for the kingdom of God. That's the starting place. That's where the kingdom of God loves to emerge from. Listen, the place of overwhelming odds, the place with no chance of a difference being made. No, that's where the kingdom of God begins. The small collection of disciples, the demon-possessed, the infirmed, the blind, the outcast, the rejected, the notoriously immoral, and the traitors to God's people, the oppressors. That's where the kingdom of God begins. These are the people that God is calling to himself. These are the ones that God notices. Not only that, it's not only these people, but listen to these circumstances. It is the very real, dark, buried place. It's the hidden location. It's the moments of no hope of life sprouting. That's where the kingdom of God begins. That's where it starts. It's in these places where you cannot see it, where human eye cannot identify it, that might be the place that the kingdom of God is beginning. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is the context that God loves to work in. We might easily dismiss it because it's so small, normal, or insignificant 
but God sees it as a place that the kingdom of God can take root in. Do you see this? It's just a box. <laughs> it's just a box. But anyone with, with, with kiddos in their house realizes that there are sometimes, maybe for Christmas or for their birthday, you give them a gift, and they end up playing with the piece of trash rather than the toy that was inside of it. <laughs> To our eyes, it's something that goes into recycling. It's something to be disposed of. To joy-filled, childlike eyes, this is a treasure. This is a treasure. Friends, our, our front yard right now has a pile of pine cones in it. Our van right now has branches and sticks and leaves in it, crumpled up leaves, simply because one was red and one was green and one was brown and one was yellow. That was it. They were seen by us and we just trampled right over them, but not for our boys. Their eyes saw treasure. Their eyes saw wonder. And that's constantly the case, that as we navigate the world around us, as we go to parks, as we go on hikes, as we walk through trails, as we walk through SeaWorld or the zoo, wherever it may be, there are so many things that we just walk right past, Larissa and I. And we stop and look back, and our boys are playing with just something they found on the ground. The kingdom of God is like this. See, if you notice right at the start of verse 18, he said, therefore. And like every Bible college or seminary professor has ever said, when you see that word, therefore, you have to stop and ask, what is it there for? What is it there for? Jesus is giving this parable as an expansion or as a way to explain what just happened in the moment right before this. What happened in the moment right before this? Well, let's read it together. Luke chapter 13, we'll rewind a little bit further back, and we'll pick it up at verse 10 now. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are free from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she, made, she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the, man from the manger and lead it to away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? 
as he said to these things, all the adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God like? Luke is connecting these passages together. This woman with a disabling spirit for 18 years is the hidden, insignificant, small place that the kingdom of God is beginning in. The kingdom of God is like this woman. So, listen, for ourselves, if we stepped into the synagogue and there amidst all of the people, we noticed a couple of specific people. Two people in front of us, there's the ruler of the synagogue, and there's a woman with a disabling spirit. Some of your translations may say an evil spirit. And I believe what Luke is doing there is he's bringing forward, he's layering in this theme of captivity that we sat with in Luke chapter 4, that the occupying force of Satan in her life is this bent over crumpled body. We notice these two people, the synagogue leader and this infirmed woman. And we ask ourselves this question. From the human vantage point, who is more likely to be a recipient and conduit of the kingdom of God? Maybe ask it this way. Who would you bring your prayer request to? I, who, who would you describe as favored and blessed? You, you see, listen, part of what this, these stories and these parables are highlighting for us is we are all like Job's friends. And by that, I mean, we look at the circumstances of one's life, we look at the exterior, and we determine that that is proof of God's favor and love on someone's life. We are all like David's father and David's father Jesse and the prophet Samuel talking to one another as they look at the seven brothers in front of them and say, it must be the tallest, it must be the oldest, it must be the most regal looking amongst this crew that will be anointed as the king of Israel. Now, the kingdom of God has always been like noticing that small shepherd boy out in the field that goes completely unnoticed. The kingdom of God is always about that hidden person that everyone else has forgotten about. That's what the kingdom of God has always been about. Imagine the scene in the synagogue, and who would we expect for the kingdom of God to take root in? And which life would we expect the mission of Jesus to flow out from? Our eyes would likely say, it's got to be the synagogue ruler. The kingdom of God is like this. It's the tiny life. It's the small person. It's the insignificant places. And do you notice Luke's words? 
God sees this woman and he calls her. Listen to it. This is how it says right here from Luke. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. Jesus sees treasure everywhere. What we might not notice, what we might trample over, what we might despise, what we might call as trash, that's not how Jesus sees things. Jesus walks into this synagogue. Who does he notice? Jesus saw her, and he called her, and he heals her. The kingdom of God is like a once crumpled, crumpled over, but now freeing free woman being sent out into the world with the name of Jesus on her lips. This moment right here of Jesus freeing this woman, this is the kingdom of God being placed in 60 pounds of flour. Let me show you, let me show you even more just how dang precious this woman is in Jesus's eyes. He calls her a daughter of Abraham. This title is only used once in the entire New Testament, and it's right here in this story. He sees this woman, and he calls her a daughter of Abraham. In this scene here in the synagogue, it wasn't the religious leader. It wasn't the ruler of the synagogue. It was the crumpled over, maybe even demon-possessed woman that Jesus says, do you see this daughter of Abraham? Jesus sees and calls this woman. She is an absolute treasure in Jesus' eyes. She is an absolute treasure in Jesus' eyes. So it's no wonder that he calls out the religious leader who regards oxen and donkey with more value than this woman. Jesus heals her. This is, look at what happens. Jesus heals her, and the synagogue ruler's response isn't to even say something to Jesus. He says something to all of the people in the room. And he just shouts at them like, She's completely free. She was crumpled over with this infirmed spirit. She's now straightened up and completely healed, and this religious leader sees this scene, and his response is to say, you should have come and done that yesterday. And Jesus gives us a word of caution here. No, the kingdom of God starts with her. Like you, 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 you've treated your beasts of burden with more value and significance than her. But she's a daughter of Abraham. And, and if your eyes 
cannot see her, then you're going to have a terrible time identifying where the kingdom of God is beginning. If, if you can't see her as the Imago Dei, if you can't see her with the significance and value and worth that I see her with, then your ability to understand where the kingdom of God will begin it's going to be a really challenging time for you. Because do you see it? It starts like this. And, and listen, what's, what's the takeaway for us? Your life is a treasure. Your life is an absolute treasure. And I think all of us have struggled and wrestled with what is our place of significance? What difference are we making? What, what is happening in my small corner, my hidden life? Like, what, what difference is this making? Can I tell you that the way that Scripture describes you is as a place that all of the fullness of God loves to dwell? You, you, like, like, like the potential that, that resides within you because the fullness of God dwells within you. And if, if you've ever felt hidden, if you've ever felt insignificant, if you've ever just kind of felt like, what, what difference is this making? Like that is, that, that is absolutely usually the seedbed that the kingdom of God grows in. Friends, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not stop pursuing Jesus. Do not stop faithfully placing yourself in proximity of him and, and, and pleading for his spirit to fall upon you because it's in the hidden and it's insignificant places that the kingdom of God sprouts out from. And contextually, like, listen, what does this mean for us as a community? Right? Obviously, we've, we've all reflected and navigated and, and even lamented on the fact that, like, hey, a pastoral transition happened, like, right before a global pandemic took place in our community. And, and there's, there's been a lot of pain, there's been a lot of trauma, there's, there's been a lot of even disorientation and confusion of just like, what, is that, what does that mean for us as a community? And if we're honest, we would all feel way better if every seat in this room had a butt in it. <laughs> we would be made to feel like that is proof that the kingdom of God is at work in here. Right? That, that, that's, that's, that's typically the, the, the conclusions that we want to make, is that if we look around the room and if it's full, then we conclude, yes, God is good. But can I tell you, we can be large and unhealthy. It isn't the exterior 
but it's this place of saying, what if? What if this is the cycle of life that we're in right now as a community? It's possible. And, and the reality is, folks, is, is this. I believe that we can see the faithfulness and goodness of God in the dark seasons of, of our community life, just like we might see it in the flourishing seasons of our community of life. But do not grow weary in doing good, in pursuing community, of caring for one another. Because we might see something sprout. This just might be. This just might be the place that the kingdom of God is flourishing right now, but we just don't see it yet. But we just don't see it yet. Don't trample it. Don't despise it. But let us be a people that continue to, to plead to heaven. Grow us, develop us, do something significant amongst us. But even when I don't see it, I believe you're working. Even when I, 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 my eyes can't see it, I believe that you're working. I, if, if you're going to be a part of the culture of the kingdom of God, you've got to understand that that's that this is part of it sometimes. And I'm not just saying that just even in our community life, but even in your own personal lives. That there may, may be this season where things just feel buried, where things just feel overwhelming. And the temptation is to believe that when things, when the exterior are flourishing, that God loves me more, or that his favor is upon me. but it might be in the buried and hidden places that God might lead you into sometimes because he loves you. And the other takeaway that I would have for you is this, is your neighbor is a treasure. Your neighbor is a treasure. I, I yes, I want to see the flourishing and the fruitfulness of the kingdom of God sprouting and, 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 and erupting here amongst us. But I have this hunch that it's going to happen through us seeing the hidden, insignificant, outcast, despised, looked over people in the world around us. is that as we have eyes to see how Jesus sees people. That it's as we care and love and bless the insignificant, the unknown, the hidden, the looked over people in the world around us. 
that that's where we're partnering with the kingdom of God. That that's where we are moving with the mission of Jesus in this world. As we go out into the world around us, may we have new eyes to see how Jesus sees. May, may we have the ability to see people the way Jesus sees people. That it's those that we might not normally notice. It might, might be those that we normally wouldn't be drawn to. It's those that we might normally walk past in a room. It might be those that Jesus has his eyes on and saying, there there's a child of Abraham. There's a child of Abraham. I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come back up. And as, as, as we do, I just want to make this available to us as a community. Even, yes, right now, um, as, as we're going to go into a worship song together, is you might be in that challenging place right now in life. Like, it, it might kind of just feel like you're in that season of, being buried, where life feels dark, where there's, there's pressure, there's just kind of this, this disorienting space of saying, just like, God, what are you up to in my life? Um, I, I want to ask a, a few people just to be available on the sides of the stages here um, to just be able to, to pray with you. If you just like someone to come and, and place their hands maybe on your shoulders and just pray a prayer that would simply maybe even sound something like, God, would we have the ability and awareness to know that, that you love us and that you're for us and that you're with us? That like, where could I go to escape from your presence? I, I could go to the, to, to the pit and there you're still with me. I can, I can go to the highest of mountains and, and there you're still with me. Where could I go to escape from your presence? Maybe you just need someone this morning to just, to just pray that with you. I, I love the words of Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer where he talks about the fact that sometimes the Christ in our brother is stronger than the Christ in me. And what he's reflecting on there is just, it just seems to be the case that sometimes like we're able to, to actually have more faith for, for the circumstances of, of, of our brother's life than we're able to have in our own lives. It's like someone can come forward to us and talk about all the things that they're facing and we can even respond and actually believe like, oh, I believe that God's going to see you through that. But if we were to walk through those same circumstances, we would yell out, woe is me, like life is completely unraveling right now. And sometimes we do need someone to come alongside us and exercise faith and hope on our behalf. So we could have a couple of people just, just make their, their way available to pray for others. If you're watching online, um, I know Pastor Larissa's there watching online. You can just simply write something in the chat thread that just would say, I would love for you to pray for me. Um, and, then, and, and then we could find a connection there. You can also just email, even right here in this moment, vince at faithsandiego.org. Send me an email and we'll connect this week. Just having an opportunity to pray and interact and, um, and believe with one another that, yes, the kingdom of God can be at work in those hidden and dark spaces of our life.
Church, let's enter into song.